This is part continuation of acts of Yeshua's emissaries, the Shelachim. That's the called out ones, his emissaries, which we all are. Chapter 26, and we'll be beginning in verse number one. But to give you a little bit of background, we're introduced to some individuals that maybe we don't know a lot of history about them. So I'll share this as an introduction, and then we'll begin. King Agrippa. Now this was Herod Agrippa's son. He was the last Herodian king, and he was raised in Rome and made king in the year 50, common era. And with this, he was raised in Rome with his father's permission. He was educated so that he would follow the precepts of what Rome wanted him to do. Otherwise, his life and the life of all his family members could be completely wiped out. See, Israel at that time was a vassal kingdom. They were not living underneath their own power and authority because just as we heard earlier today during the, uh, the Torah reading, they decided to do things their own way. And God did not vomit them out of the land at that time, but he allowed an oppressing nation to come and rule and reign over them. Just from that time and prior to that time, during the time of Nebuchadnezzar and others, we see that the time of the Gentiles ruling over the nation of Israel and the city of Jerusalem and up to this present day. You know, back in 1948, it took God the Father to bring the Jewish nation to be born in a day, but he also went through the United Nations, did he not? But what did Israel's enemies desire to do soon after they became a nation, but to simply wipe them off the face of this earth? And so with that, we can kind of understand this gentleman whose name, Herod Agrippa, number two, going forward here. So he was made king six years after the death of his father. Think about this. Rome wasn't ready to put this guy into place as a kingly representative of the land of Israel. It took up six years for this to be accomplished. And so going forward here, we see that Herod Agrippa I had a consistent policy was to what? To conciliate the majority, whatever the majority wanted to do in the land of Israel underneath the guise and the oppression of Rome through Caesar. Goes on to say this, his capital was Caesarea Philippi in modern Banyas at the foot of Mount Hermon, some 40 miles northeast of Caesarea, where modern Israel, Lebanon, and Syria now meet. Now we are introduced to his wife, which is not just his wife. Remember this, God desires to redeem fallen man. Bernice is her name, and she was literally Herod Agrippa II's own sister. 
his wife. And in sensuous relationship. Going forward here, Felix's wife, who we were introduced in chapter 25 and 26, he, his wife was Drusilla. And she was the brother of Agrippa and Bernice, the sister. So here we have three siblings. They're in this process here. Later, Bernice became the mistress of two of the emperors, two of the Caesars. And what are their names? Vespasian and Titus. And, all, and she almost became the empress. Obviously, she had it long since given up whatever vestiges of Jewish, Jewish religion and morals that she may have had once had. And so now, as we have finished now, completed chapter 25, Agrippa and Bernice made an official visit to welcome the new procurator. But they stayed on longer than necessary for this purpose. The procurator's name is Festus. And he uses time to discuss a very perplexing but not pressing issue of Shaul. And so there's our introduction so we can fully understand the dynamics that are going on here. Because Rav Shaul, the Apostle Paul, is turning the preliminaries of a trial into a time to share his testimony, to bear witness to what his life is all about. And that is pointing people to his Redeemer, his Messiah, Yeshua. Acts chapter 26, beginning at verse 1. Agrippa said to Shaul, you have permission to speak on your own behalf. Then Shaul motioned with his hand and he began his defense. And I want you to hear, listen to these very, words very, very closely. Because remember John the Immerser, when he spoke to Herod, Agrippa's father, he said that woman that you're married to this is evil. This is insensuous because that was your brother's wife. So we see these dynamics here. But you know, when we are speaking out and the Lord has control of our tongue and our thoughts and he wants us to proclaim his good news, God comes and speaks to us through us in different ways. Because anyone would think, anyone that knows Shaul's personality, he would have brought that right and laid it out before everyone. But just as we are constrained by the spirit of the living God, in that day and hour, Yeshua said, I, I will have you come before governors and magistrates, and you're not to, to, to memorize or practice what you're about to say, but know this in that day and that hour, I will fill your mouth. I will give those words for you to speak. And Rav Shaul is demonstrating this. He's demonstrated in chapter 23, all the way here till 26 and into 27. So let us continue here. Verse 1. Agrippa said to Shaul, you have permission to speak on your own behalf. Then Shaul motioned with his hand and began his defense. King Agrippa, 
I consider myself fortunate that it is before you today that I'm defending myself against all the charges made against me by the Jews. Now, who are these Jews? These are these Jewish leaders who truly believe that, that Rav Shaul is leading the people of Israel astray. Let's continue here. Verse 3. Because you are so well informed about all Jewish customs and controversies, therefore I beg you to listen to me patiently. How many times Agrippa has heard people plead their case in a courtroom setting and just would simply hear a few words, and all of a sudden you see, if you look in his eyes, things start to get a little cloudy, and he's actually someplace else. How many times have we instructed our children, or even if we're blessed with grandchildren, how many wives have had a deep discussion with their husbands, and then all of a sudden the clouds start to form, and their eyes and their minds on something else? Can you please turn off that game? I got something, I need your full attention. Let's go forward here. Because you are so well informed about all Jewish customs and controversies, are there controversies? Oh, absolutely. And you know, that kind of perked up his ears. Because not only did uh, King Agrippa had to oversee over the Pharisees, the Perishim, and the Zudakim, the Sadducees, but he also had a very hysteric group that were called the Essenes. These three major groups, and they were in constant argue with one another. And there was potentially revolts happening at any moment. Because anyone who could walk up towards the temple and someone thought, well, possibly could this guy be the Mashiach? Could he be the Messiah? Then things began to go crazy. Think about the anti-Messiah, the Antichrist who will come in the future. And he will allow Israel to rebuild their third temple. And the Jewish people who have a veil over their eyes, my brothers and sisters, will embrace him with open arms. Why? Because he's allowing them to build the third temple. So let's move forward here. Verse number four. So then all, Joe, all Jews know how I've lived my life from my youth on, both in my country and Jerusalem. They have known me for a long time. And if they are willing, underline that word, are they willing? Is it a benefit for them? Will they lose their social status if they stand alongside this Messianic Jewish man, Rav Shaul? Are they willing to count the cost? Are they willing to endorse or reject him? They have known me for a long time. If they're willing, they can testify that I have followed the strictest party in our religion. That is, I've lived as a parush, a Pharisee. Wait a second. I thought the Apostle Paul converted to Christianity. 
What did Rav Shaul, the Apostle Paul, say there? That he's a Pharisee who has accepted Messiah. He has that veil removed from his eyes. It's amazing. If you're Jewish and you accept Yeshua Jesus as the Messiah, all of a sudden you're supposed to throw away your heritage and you're supposed to throw away your family. We don't ask the Italians, the Russians, the Germans, the Japanese to do that. Let's go forward here. This is his testimony, his own words. And I ask you this, those who are listening on the podcast, is Rav Shaul now lying? No, he's telling the truth. Remember, he's speaking as the spirit of the living God. He's speaking through him. And think about this for a moment. Are we not supposed to be following God's word of the prophets of the Old Testament, the Tanakh, and the Brit Hadashah, the New Testament, both the prophets and the apostles? Is there word not yes and amen? It is. Let's move forward here. Verse 6, how ironic is that I stand on trial here because of my hope and the promise made to our fathers. Who's he speaking to? Agrippa, whose father was a Gentile, but his mother is Jewish. Just as Agrippa's sister, Bernice, is Jewish. Just as his other sister, Drusilla, is Jewish. Let's go forward here. Verse 7, it is this fulfillment on this very promise that our 12 tribes hope to obtain. Poor Felix. He's standing there listening to this. The Roman guards, they're standing this, and it's all Greek to them. Festus, thank you, Ellen. It's all Greek to them. They don't understand. There's no commonality in this. But notice this. Rav Shaul, the Apostle Paul, is directing this strictly to Agrippa II. I believe he's looking him straight in the eye. And he's testifying this. You know what they say in law enforcement when they bring in a potential person who's committed a crime? They look in their eyes to discern whether or not that person is telling them the truth. Let's go forward here. Verse 7, it is the fulfillment on this very promise that our 12 tribes hope to obtain as they resultly carry on their acts of worship, both night and day. What's that speaking of? The morning and evening sacrifices, the lamb, the bullocks that are brought both day and night. You know a dilemma that Peter's going to have coming up in the near future? Is when the anti-Messiah allows the Jewish people to build the third temple. You know what's going to be taking place there? 
the morning and the evening sacrifices. Can you imagine the hatred of the Jewish people and the land of Israel? Will be even more multiplied. See, that's where God is going to allow Hasatan, who is his devil. See, Satan cannot do anything. A lot of people believe this. They believe that Hasatan is a co-equal with Father God. That is a lie from the pit of hell. And so God the Father is going to allow Hasatan to actually come and embody the anti-Messiah. That my people, the Jewish people, who have a veil over their eyes, who are looking towards man as their Messiah, will be revealed to them as a false Messiah. And after that is done, when that abomination that leads to desolation that will happen in the temple, when he says, now come and worship me for I'm God, then my people Israel's eyes will be fully open. And then soon after that, few years after that, it says in the scripture, then all Israel shall be saved. When they cry out those words, Baruch HaBaba B'Shem Adonai, and they see the king of glory descending from heaven with his righteous ones, us, his bride, and those holy angels coming. And notice this, the sun no longer shines and the stars no longer shine. Will they be able to see him coming? Absolutely. And he says this, that he'll give them a heart of supplication and repentance. And so what Rav Shaul is now setting this up in the mind of the heart of this King Agrippa. Could you imagine what would have happened if King Agrippa would have accepted Yeshua as his Messiah? The spirit living God would have told him it's now to divorce your wife but show her kindness and for her to come to accept Yeshua and Drusilla. Can you imagine the impact that would have had on the nation of Israel? That's God's desire. But God is a gentleman. He presents the good news and all of us have the opportunity to either receive Yeshua or not. Let's continue here. Verse 7. It is this fulfillment on this very promise that our 12 tribes hope to obtain as they resultly carry out their acts of worship night and day. Yet in connection with this, hope your majesty that I'm being accused by my fellow Jews. Remember this, my brothers and sisters. These are the ones with the veil over their eyes whom Paul once was until Yeshua revealed himself at noontime when the Shekinah, the glory of God, descended upon him and he spoke to him directly. This transformation. Let's go forward here. I'm being accused by Jews. 
Why do you consider it incredible that God raises the dead? I used to think it was my duty to do all I could to combat the name of Yeshua from Nazareth. See, now he's giving testimony. Because in Agrippa's mind, how can this guy claim to be a Pharisee if he's also a follower of Yeshua? That makes no sense. Let's go forward here. This is a journey that Rav Shaul was on, and this is a journey that he's, he's inviting both uh, Agrippa II and Bernice to go on with him. Let's go forward. Verse 10, and in Jerusalem I did so. After receiving authority from the head koinim, I myself, through many of God's people. And who are these people? Messianic Jews, people who believe that Yeshua is a promised Messiah. I threw many of these in prison when they were put to death. Think about that. It costs them their lives to not be ashamed and deny their Messiah. He says these words, I cast my vote against them. He was fully convinced beyond a shadow of the doubt that he was fulfilling Abba, Father, God's will because he truly believed that Yeshua was a false prophet that was leading everyone astray. And you know, all this is sinking into Agrippa II's mind because, you know, possibly he may have even heard about what Yeshua did. You can imagine the correspondence between him and his father. His father is sending him uh, letters in Rome. He's asking, well, how are things going? And then they share through correspondence are you doing, are you a good student? Are you learning the laws of Rome so that one day you can take my place? But let me tell you what's been going on in the land of Israel so that you'll be prepared. Because I don't know what day is my last. And I want to pass this legacy unto you, my own son. And so possibly... There was correspondence, most likely. And through this, he was preparing him to sit on the throne as the puppet king of Israel. Let's go forward here. Verse 11. Often I went from one synagogue to the other, Punishing them. Punishing who? The Messianic Jews. And trying to make them blaspheme. And in my wild fury against them. Think of those words. He's describing himself. He was impassionate because he believed beyond a shadow of a doubt. Remember Stephen? Who was holding the coats? but Rav Shaul. And he believed because the veil over his eyes was revealing to him that anyone who leads the nation of Israel astray to serve another God 
needs to be stoned. And so we see all these dynamics that are working here and going through. Verse 11, often I went from one synagogue to another, punishing them, those Messianic Jews, and trying to make them blaspheme. And in my wild fury against them, I even went so far as to persecute them in the cities outside my country. He got letters from the high priest, permission, credentials. So he went to Damascus, Syria. He had the power authority to arrest anyone who would even utter the name of Yeshua. Going forward here. Number 12, on one such occasion, I was traveling to Damascus with a full authority and power of the head Kohanim. I was on the road and it was noon, your majesty. And when I saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun. Remember this, Agrippa has been schooled as a Jewish man. Agrippa, part of his control was over the temple mount the morning and the evening sacrifices. Nothing was hidden from him about Judaism. I was on the road and it was noon, your majesty, when I saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun shining around me and my traveling companions. We all fell to the ground. Then I heard a voice saying to me in Hebrew, That's unique. Why? Because this is the voice of God speaking to him in the language that the Lord has given to the Jewish people. There is no opportunity for error or misunderstanding in speaking of the native tongue. Let's continue. Shaul, Shaul. Why do you keep persecuting me? The risen Messiah. And Rav Shul literally sees him as he is in his glorified body. It's undeniable. And now he's looking right at Rav Shaul's eyes, eyeball to eyeball. Notice the next words he says. It's hard for you to keep kicking against the ox goads. Well, that's something very unfamiliar. Everyone here at home, you own an ox, right? You use the ox goad to get the ox going from time to time. So what is an ox goad? It was a pointed stick. It was to spur animals on. It would normally just prick their hide of the ox. It only got injured when it began to kick and rebel against it. And so Rav Shul, Yeshua is saying to Rav Shul, it is hard for you, Shaul, to keep resisting. And who's the goad? But Messiah himself. Think about the time when this all started personally in Rav Shaul's life when the testimony was given by Stephen, as recorded in Acts chapter 7, verses 1 through 60. We don't have time to go through that today. 
but I encourage you to read that on your own. Verse 15, I said, Who are you, sir? And the Lord answered, I am Yeshua, and you are persecuting me. Think about this. What was his focus? What was his goal? Was to expunge this name of Yeshua and to put to death literally every one of his followers. So that would be eradicated from the Jewish people, both in the land and in the diaspora. Can you imagine the shock? And actually seeing Yeshua face to face, his resurrected body on display before him, undeniable proof, because let me give you a little background. When any Jewish person that was in the daytime and the sun is in the sky, notice it's at noon, and then the glory, the Shekinah of God descends upon him, nowhere in Scripture do we ever read that Hasatan comes in that magnitude. It's undeniable. And think of Agrippa, because he knows the Tanakh. He had to be trained in the Tanakh. He had to memorize the Tanakh. Remember King David? Instead of this of King David, he was to write out the scroll the five books of Moses. Some Bible scholars say on a yearly basis. He was to intimately know God's word so he would be able to serve God's people. There's no escape here for Agrippa. Could you imagine the conviction upon his own heart? And he's thinking any moment there, Rav Shaul is going to speak to him about his relationship with his own sister. But he's calling him. He's wooing him to realize that this is a manifestation of God himself who is Yeshua. Verse 15. I said, who are you, sir? And the Lord answered, I am Yeshua. You are persecuting me. But get up. Stand on your feet. I have appeared to you. Did you hear those words? Is Yeshua lying here? No. Rashul literally sees him. Going forward here. I've appeared to you to appoint you to serve and bear witness to what you have already seen of me. That moment. Undeniable proof that Rav Shaul, in his depth of his being, 
in his mind, in his heart, he wants to deny that this is the Messiah. But the evidence is so overwhelming. When he's literally seeing eyeball to eyeball and having a conversation of his mortal enemy, someone who he truly believed was a false prophet, the worst false prophet that Israel has ever endured. Let's go forward here. But get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you to serve. You are now my servants. No longer the high priest's servant. You're now my servant. To serve and bear witness to what you have already seen of me and what you will see when I appear to you in the future. Did you hear that? Is Yeshua lying here? Absolutely not. And if you study the life of Rav Shaul, there were various appearances. Are we not studying in our Bible study the book of Revelation? And who appears to Yohanan John but Yeshua himself to lead him into all truth? The last scroll, the last book of God's holy canon was delivered directly to the last living among those 12 survivors so that we know that God's word is yes and amen. I tell you this, you should believe the Bible and what is written in there more than what you hear on the radio and television or any other history book. It is literally God's word. You revere it as such as being true, the historical testimony of God's plan for you and everyone on this world. I believe in the near future, we will have these books taken from us. Because these books in the world's comprehension and mind is violent. And it's not politically correct. I encourage you to memorize scripture so that in the case that this book is taken from you, you will be able to proclaim God's word. And just think if you're arrested and you're being placed into prison, what opportunity will you be able to bear witness to the hope that is in you? As the spirit of living God brings back to your memory scripture, And then as you speak to redeem that very person, that very soul. We'll finish on this portion of scripture here. I will deliver you from the people. Who are they? But the unbelieving Jews have a veil over their eyes. Who have not received Yeshua as their Messiah. And from the Gentiles, I'm sending you to open their eyes, both Jews and Gentiles, so that they will turn from darkness to light. Is the majority of Jewish people in the world right now walking in darkness? Yes, because they have not received the light and revelation of who Yeshua is. Think in the context here of Rav Shaul on the road to Damascus. Verse 18, to open their eyes, both Jews and Gentiles, so they will turn from darkness to the light who is the light but Messiah, the light, the truth. 
from the power of whom? The adversary. The Democratic Party is not your enemy. Neither is the Republican Party. Neither is the independents. Who is your enemy? The adversary. Anyone who does not walk and step and fulfill God's word in their lives is not your enemy. They're lost, they're dying, and they're being deceived by the adversary. We need to be praying, interceding for them to come to know Messiah. If not for the grace and mercy of God, so there we were once. America is ready for a civil war over political opinions. But what is the body of Messiah to be doing in the place of that? Sharing light, love, and compassion. Are we not told in Scripture, given that example, that we're to what heap coals upon our enemy's head? What does that speak to? Two armies. There's a valley between them. And one army decides to send representatives because they notice the other army just got in and they're having problems starting a fire because it rained. There's no dry wood. And so what do they do? They see that. And so they send people carrying clay pots of burning coals to bless their enemies to warm them by the fire, for them to cook their food, for them to dry out their clothing that has received all that rain. That's the example that we should be doing. Sharing the good news, allowing the spirit living God to speak to us fully and clearly. So continuing here. To open their eyes, both Jews and Gentiles, so that they will turn from darkness from, to the light, from the power of the adversary to God and thus receive forgiveness of sins. Think of Agrippa, the conviction upon his heart. Can you imagine him and Bernice have kind of moved away a little bit from each other? Because they know about their incestuous relationship. Probably Bernice can't even make eye contact with Rav Shaul right now. But this is bringing about not condemnation, but conviction that will produce salvation and redemption. Receiving forgiveness of sins and a place among those who have been separated for what? Holiness. Not man-made, but God-ordained and Ruach HaKodesh, Spirit of the living God, the Holy Spirit, empowered and equipped to walk in true holiness not of our own assertion of our mind, our opinion, but God the Father's. By putting their trust in me. Who's the me here? Rav Shul, no. It's Yeshua himself. So King Agrippa, I did not disobey the vision from heaven. And let's stop right there. Father God, it's our hope and desire in these waning days that we live upon this earth to be found faithful in your sight. 
having our mouths filled with the good news and not walking in judgment against those who already have been judged and found wanting just as we were. Fill our hearts with compassion and love. Fill us with your Ruach just as you did the Spirit of the living God as those 120 Jewish people were up in that upper room. Pour out your Spirit because we need a fresh new filling of your Ruach as never before. And may we be found faithful. May we hear, hear those words when we stand before your being a seat in heaven when you're handing out those rewards. You are good and you are a faithful servant. Now enter into the pleasure, the delight of God your Father. We ask this in Yeshua's name.